Hello and welcome to another episode of SEO Success Stories. I'll be hosting on my own today. Uh, my name is Gabe and with me I have a very special guest, Morty Oberstein, who works over at one of my favorite tools, SEMrush, and has also been a liaison to the SEO community over at Wix and worked for Rank Ranger. Quite a notable personality in the SEO community. Hello to you, Morty. Hey, thanks for having me. What time is it for you? Oh, it's 5.40 p.m. in Melbourne. I should say Morty's coming in over from uh, Israel. So we're on completely different time zones today. Yeah, but you, the sunlight is so bright in your background. It feels like it's like <laughs> 8 o'clock in the morning. It's like that over here. We've got daylight savings. So it doesn't get dark until like almost 9 o'clock at night. It's ridiculous. Oh, right. It's summertime for you. It is summertime in this area of the earth. Yeah, we're upside down over here. Right. Our, our summer is the winter. And the, does the toilet water spin the other way? Is that really you true? know what? I've never really looked for that, but I've heard it's a myth. As it's funny to going to Australia and seeing that. <laughs> well, you still should. <laughs> Maybe if I keep it a secret, then you'll have more reason to come over this side of the world. All right. Fair enough. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. Cool. I'm going to launch in. One big question that we'd like to ask out of the gate on these podcasts, we just go straight for the jugular. What's the number one biggest challenge that you think SEOs face in 2022? Mm -hmm that they're not content writers or they're not very good at content sometimes. True that. I think SEOs have to wear lots of hats, don't we? Like we've got to be a content guys. We've got to be the tech guys. We've got to be communicators and stakeholder managers kind of do yeah. a little bit of everything. And it's becoming a little bit more siloed. I, I've maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of feel like there's this now, like Moses has come and the, the C has split and <laughs> S tech SEOs are on one side and content SEOs now are on the other side. And if they could throw spears at each other and kill each other, they would. You can't do that in public. <laughs> I love that. I, I have this feeling that that's maybe happening a little bit more outside of Australia. I think when you've got the bigger mm. budgets and maybe you've got more people in SEO, you can almost afford to have people who are specialized in certain areas. But in Australia, where we don't have as much, maybe the awareness around SEO isn't as developed, we kind of have to do little bits of everything, maybe so not that's to the hard. specialized level. It is hard. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's not like, for how do you be right? good at everything and bad at nothing? Yeah, precisely. And that's why when I see, I know I'm digressing a little bit, but I see sometimes people's LinkedIn profiles are going for an SEO role and they're not just SEOs. They're like digital marketers and paid search specialists and, you know, content writers. And they're kind of got the full gamut in their profile. I go, you can't be a genuine SEO because there's, no, there's way. no way. Yeah. I used to try to really track PPC for years. What's going on? How is it up? And I used to run some PPC campaigns back when I was at Rank Ranger. I give up. I don't even care. I mean, I care, but like when I see like an article on Search Engine Land about PPC, I'm like, I'm not even bothering. It's, <laughs> it's so beyond me at this point. Yeah, I'm a bit the same way. I started out as a bit of an account manager, uh, working across both. And then I just said, look, I really need to specialize. Like I like the industry, but I want to get really good at one channel. And SEO is the one that, that caught my eye. So I said, I'm going to go down that SEO pathway. And now, you know, you, you, you want to stay a little bit abreast of what's going on in paid because there is a bit of overlap between channels and, and clients will often ask, you know, how do we get the right synergy between, say, SEO and paid media? So having at least a casual understanding of, of where maybe there is a bit of relevance between multiple channels is important. But ultimately, you can only really get, get good at one, if that. Yeah. And I'm being a little facetious. Like when I see an article, I don't like completely ignore it, but I'm not giving it the same kind of attention that I used to in the past only because I can't focus on SEO and on that at the same time. But the problem with content is that you kind of have to. You don't really have much of a choice because 
at the end of the day, the commodity that people are going to for a website is not how fast it is. That's an add-on. That's an ancillary aspect to it. The, the reason why they're going to the site is the content. Either literally the content for a blog or if it's a product page, the content on the page being the product. And you have to be able to understand how Google looks at content, analyzes content, because that's where the focus is. Like Google's not updating its algorithm to see how can we better pick out faster websites. They're, they're updating the algorithm to figure out how could they get better, better at understanding content. Now the problem is that if, the better Google gets at understanding content, the more you have to get good at writing content, which means you as an SEO have to be able to necessarily... It's like the same thing as a code, right? Do you have to know how to code to write to be an SEO? No, but you have to be familiar with code. You don't necessarily have to know how to write or be a good writer. But then, but if you if you're not, you better recognize and not touch the content, much the way you wouldn't touch the code. But you have to be familiar with what good content looks and feels like. Precisely right. Like in our agency at the moment, we're fortunate enough to have a team of in-house copywriters. So I don't myself necessarily get too involved in producing the content but i'm almost like the person who's architecting what i want to go on the page and the way i do that is by reverse engineering you know what am i seeing from the top competitors what are some of the similarities what are the emerging trends uh try and basically based on the industry knowledge and experience understand what it is that google wants to see you know how they understand intent within that vertical and then i try and translate that down to the writer and then they use their creativity to produce something that's hopefully going to appease both Google and users, right? So you, you definitely, as an SEO, you at, at a minimum need to understand what it is that Google's looking for. Yeah, and that's like a funny thing is people say, well, I'll rank number of, you know, one for this keyword. But with the kind of content you're creating, you might not have the top slot. The top slot might go to a totally different intent, which is, by the way, fine. If you rank number five on the page, but you're the first result for that intent, for that user, you rank number one for all intents and purposes. You have to go down the wormhole just a little bit, at least. Totally, totally. Morty, I'm so glad I could have you on today. We've really like this this series has been very interesting because we've we're probably going and producing more episodes than we'd initially anticipated because with the caliber of guests that we keep getting on is just improving every time. And I think why having you on is is going to be so interesting is you have the experience now of working with some really the biggest tools i guess the most recognized kind of website development portals i don't even know what you call them um in the industry and i i kind of want to pick platforms that's a good word i kind of want to pick your brain a little bit and just maybe hear a little bit about your experiences working at these different places maybe some of the challenges some of the you know growth opportunities you've identified from from day one and and, and maybe you can kind of like fill out our viewers or listeners in on you know some of the directions and things that you want to take some of these brands that are now so almost like just ubiquitous in the seo industry it's a weird it was totally bad like it's kind of like how i fell into seo to begin with it's totally by accident i was doing content writing for an educational software company and they said you're really good at writing want to write a web content i'm like sure i'm i love writing i'll write your web content they wanted to bring in organic traffic i'm like great what's organic traffic and that's where it started <laughs> Actually, the first thing I ever looked at, I think I'm thinking back to it, it's like already like, like nine years ago, 10 years ago, something like that. It was a search engine land periodic table. And I've ever seen that. Right. I have seen right? I Googled, yeah. like, what is SEO? And they ranked. That's the power of ranking right there. One thing led to another. A couple of years go by and I started working for Rank Ranger, working on with their tool set. Uh, one thing led to another and then I started working at Wix. I saw on their advisory board and now I'm at Semrush. So I don't, it wasn't on purpose that all these um, <laughs> software companies and platforms I were just, this is how it went. But I do like 
I like multiple things. Like I don't like just SEO. I like I start off in the content world and I really like branding. I think and I think there's a lot of overlap between branding and SEO, which I know sounds in what what does one have to do with the other one? Well, it does. Like, for example, if you if you have like the best content on the planet and you throw on like an HTML table for like 1995, the look and feel of your page is something that Google's gonna pick up on. I mean, John Mueller talked about it. I was like, no, like we're not ranking that. So perception is a big deal. Like if I always think like the litmus test of like a good S, a good page from an SEO point of view is if the user looks at it, says the tone, the feel, the structure, all is right and all makes the content digestible. And being digestible is means different things for different pieces of content, right? Being digestible for I don't know, like a product page versus a um you know, a thesis on the 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 advancements in quantum physics are gonna be very different. And being able to take a step back and understand, hey, wait a second, am I Am I meeting user needs? Are there too many CTAs on the page? That's a great example. If I'm a user, I go to your page, I look at the page, and I'm like, whoa, this is great content, but what the hell is with all the CTAs, man? That perception is something that Google will also look at, right? Too many CTAs, you're being too salesy, it's an informational page. The profile of what you say the page is for and what the page actually is don't match, we're not gonna trust you. And you saw that going back all the way to like the medic update where you have like all these medical pages that are like, you know, throwing tons of banner ads up there. And the content might be good. I don't know. I didn't read it. But the second you look at the page as a user, you're like, whoa, what the hell is this? Like, why are you trying to sell me magical pills when all I came here was to learn, like, is my blood pressure too high? And Google Precisely. does the same thing. You yes. could have avoided all of that algorithmic pain if all you did was take a step back, look at the page from a brand point of view and say, wow, what I'm going for and the, the, the first impression, the, the perception of this page that a user will have after looking at it are very different. So there is a lot of overlap between the two of them. And I just like I just like branding um, as a psychological construct. So it's kind of worked out really well. I like I, look, the ability to say, hey, if I'm an SEO and I'm doing SEO and I'm working on a web page and I'm using this tool or this platform, I would really like to have X. And then being able to go to a dev team and say, can we do X? It's really nice. <laughs> I Especially mean, when they listen to you and they do it. Great. Like you just go to the here Slack channel. Hey, they updated Google updated this. Can we do this? Yeah, let's take a look at that. It's like, oh, awesome. That's got to be the advantage of working, I imagine, working in a, a software company that obviously understands the importance of organic, right? You know, so many times as an SEO, you're, you're dealing with a business and SEO is just a small part of their overall marketing mix. And maybe you're dealing with an intermediary who doesn't have an in-depth understanding of what it is you're asking for. And it's kind of like SEO has to be evaluated in amongst a whole lot of other priorities. And as a stakeholder, you've got to kind of fight to be heard. Yeah. But I guess walking yeah. into a, a software company like SEMrush, this is what they do. So, yeah, so that part's really game. easy, right? But like, for example, at Wix, it was not like that. So when I was at Wix, they were like, hey, we want to start taking SEO way more seriously. Here's all the product updates that we did. And we want to start talking about SEO a lot more seriously than we did in the past. And you're talking as a company like 5,000 people, something like that. So while a lot of people were on board with it, a lot of people were, what, what is SEO? And why are we doing things that are different from our normal marketing? Right? Because you're talking right. to a different kind of community. So when you're talking to, let's say, you're talking to an, um, you know, a design agency, the way you're going to talk to them is going to be very different than you're talking to like a developer or an SEO. And there was a lot of helping people to understand that we need to do something a little bit different than what we're used to. And they, they did a really good job of pivoting and it, it, nothing, nothing in a large organization pivoting is easy. So it's a lot of education. It's a lot of, 
here's what it is. Here's how it works. Sometimes yelling and screaming. Uh, uh, God bless them. So when Core Web Vitals came out, Wix just did an update that improved their desktop um, page speed scores by, you know, like 50%, whatever. I'm making that number up. I don't know the percentage. And then a bunch of SEOs at the company come together. They're all like, hey, okay, desktop's really nice, but Core Web Vitals is coming. And that's mobile. And they're like, yeah, but we just, we just, we just did the idea route across Alaska to fix desktop. And like now you want us to fix mobile. And there and there was a lot of education, a lot of a lot of pushing, healthy pushing, and bless their souls, they did it. So you can have an impact if you do it the right way. I just my voice just cracked like I'm in third grade because I still have a cold. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but if you do it the right way and you you get together with the stakeholders in your company and you get together with the people who are on your side and you have you present a unified front about it and you educate about the importance. One of the things that like I did was um I showed like, hey. All the tools, like back, SEMrush is adding a Core Web Vitals report. If the tools are doubling down and putting money and developing a new product, you could bet your money this is going to be a big SEO thing. Whether or not it'll be a big ranking thing is a totally different question. That's actually a really good point that you make because so often from what I'm hearing from having these conversations, my own experiences, it's about not just coming up with a good idea, but how you can sell that idea right? So in yeah. this case, you're maybe selling that idea to Wix. I might be selling that idea to a client that I'm working with, you know, whoever it is, just coming up with the idea on its own is not sufficient. You can't go, Hey, look, I'm the SEO expert. Do what I say. Cause many no. times they're not going to listen, right? And you can no. put them offside. And so there, there's certainly a subtlety to that. And I imagine, you know, for, to give everyone a bit of background, you know, prior to working at SEMrush, as you said, you worked at Wix. And I think, Wix maybe at the time didn't have the best reputation as far as like how SEO friendly a platform that it is. So it obviously wanted to invest in terms of look, how can we develop our reputation with SEOs? Um, so I imagine that was a big part of your role was coming in and like identifying what are the improvements that we can make? How do we turn this around? How do you yeah. go into something like that? That's quite a big challenge to bite off. Um, as the same way you go into my, my, this is just my personal take and every situation is different. And I think, what happened at Wix kind of very much aligned to what where I am as a person. I think that's a good lesson in life. Like whatever role you're going to take, whatever task you're going to take up, make sure it aligns with who you are. I if you're walking in to a to a stakeholder and you're trying, I'll, I'll, let's go back to SEO. I compare it to like a landing page or more CRO actually than SEO. People don't want to feel controlled. That's the basic psych, psychological principle. And by the way, as SEOs, I think you need to understand psychological principles because you're understanding people and behavior and how they consume content or how they interact with web pages. So you have to understand psychology um, to whatever extent. Like same thing as coding. You don't have to be Freud, but you have to be familiar with it. People don't like to feel controlled. So if you, for example, have a landing page and you're being way too salesy, way too pushy with the, the content, the tone of the content, the CTAs, people are going to balk. People are hey, like, whoa, why are you pushing me so hard? Let me see. Let me see. And this is a good lesson. It works, by the way, algorithmically. I think this works also. You want to give people information on a page and entry points to make that decision. That's fundamentally what you want to do. I can't make a I can't make a decision to access the entry point, also known as a CTA, if I don't have information. Google won't rank you well if you don't have information on the page, particularly if it's a YMYL kind of you know situation. You need to have good information so the user can make a decision. You have to give people the ability to make a decision. So if you're going to a stakeholder and you're saying we should do X. Going in there with a shotgun and holding it to their heads is not going to work. People are psychologically are not built for that. They're built for slapping that gun away and kicking it in the nuts. What, what you should do 
is educate. You could be insistent. You can hold your ground, but you need to educate. I'm saying this because I used to be a teacher. You have to show them the importance of it and take them right up to that edge of where they have enough information to make a decision where you're creating internal conflict. I don't mean in a bad way, but you're creating an internal pain point for them. Like, whoa, I see what they're saying. I see the possibility of what happens if we don't do this. And now I need to make a decision. And you have to let them make that decision. Because if you don't, you're never going to win. It's the same thing walking in when you know, I'm walking into, walking into anything. Walking into Wix was, don't try to sell the SEO community on, we're the best at SEO. Let them make a decision. Show them what you have. Show them that what they thought was there is not what is there. Or who you are is not what they who they thought you are, and let them make a decision. That's so clever, truly. Once you arrive at a certain like realization yourself, it's going to be much more powerful because you feel like you've owned that, right? Rather than being told to do something, being forced into a yeah, situation. Yeah, there's no resentment. There's no anything. I, I think that the point you made about finding the pain point as well. So, like when I'm talking to a client, for example, the way I might convey that instead of going, "Hey, you're going to have X percent more traffic," it would be like. Look at what your competitor's doing. Your competitor's outranking you. Your competitor's doing better at this. Your competitor's benefiting from this. And a lot of times a client will feel like, oh, wow, you know, I don't want my competitor to do well. They're like my arch enemy, my nemesis. That's who I compare myself against. And if they're getting that extra traffic or they're winning in this space, we need to be doing better. And that's just yeah. kind of like almost you twist the knife a little bit. It sounds bad, but. If no, you can find that is. sweet spot to, to make it more compelling, to give them a good reason, that extra drive and motivation to move, then, you know, you can get things done more easily. Yeah, you have to speak their language. If, if somebody's more worried about, let's say, throwing an example, like they're throwing at the quality of their content is just really important to them. Like they want to put off a good image. It's like someone who like really likes to dress well kind of thing. So that's the language you need to speak. If someone's like, I don't care how I look, I care how bad you look. Then you talk about competitors. You have to speak whatever link. And that's something when you walk into an organization, you need to kind of figure out what, what's their what's their love language? What do they love and what <laughs> language do they speak? Precisely. Now, if I can, I want to move a little bit to SEMrush. So you're working at SEMrush at the moment as head of communication. So what does that entail? Are you communicating outwardly, like with the community, uh, with SEMrush users? Is it more of like an outward facing role? It's a little bit of both. And I like this about Semrush. They, they kind of build a role around you. It's almost like, I don't know if you follow NFL football, but if you have a quarterback, a guy who throws the ball, you need to build a system around that person that be, they'll be successful. So I do a lot of organic research because I have a history of organic research. I really enjoy doing studies, that kind of thing. So they give me the latitude and the, and the, and the data set, obviously, to do that. So I spend a lot of time, and that kind of aligns with the communications part of it. So someone else, not if I'm doing the study, great. But a lot of times other people are doing studies or other people are doing research. So a lot of times I'll review the content, make sure, hey, maybe you want to take it in this direction. Maybe you want to take it in that direction and up everybody's game kind of thing. You know, a lot of external things. So, and then it, of course, it's a huge organization. So it's not like completely like linear, but if there's communications going on around SEO, so a lot of the times I'll, I'll weigh in on it. I do, I do some community building. It's not a, it's not a community building role. So I'll go out there. I'll try to share information like how I would use SEMrush. Like literally what I do with it. And sometimes that's a little bit different than what you would do with it. What I think is good. I think Semrush is kind of the thing that, and it's just the nature of the beast. It's, it is what you make it, right? If you just go in there, you throw in your domain and the domain overview and kind of look at, okay, the organic traffic is this and whatever, whatever. That You could do that and, 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 and that be it. But there's so much information in there. There's so much data that we're throwing at you. 
that it's how you use it. And, and there's so many different ways. And you can align it to your approach. Like, I'm very holistic about this. So my favorite content, my favorite content, my favorite key, uh, keyword research tool is not the keyword magic tool, which is everybody's go-to keyword research tool, which is your more traditional keyword research tool. I like the topic research tool, which is not even under SEO in the system. It's under content marketing. So I can get an understanding of semantically speaking, like what does this topic include? And then I can dive deeper into those subtopics. What are people asking about them? And even then, like I don't use that normally. So if you're, if you're researching a topic, uh, something like, you know, how to build a skyscraper or skyscrapers, let's say, right? You're right. Your client owns the Empire State Building and you're running content about skyscrapers. I don't know. And you'll get a whole bunch of subtopics. You know, how are sky, you know, about the um, about construction and uh, uh, zoning laws and I don't know, commercial real, real estate, all these like subtopics that go around skyscrapers. And then you can dive in a little bit further. Okay. So let's dive into commercial real estate because, you know, in your skyscraper, you can have commercial spaces that you want to fill up. What are the questions people are asking about commercial real estate? Most people will look at those questions and be like, okay, people are asking, what is commercial real estate? How does commercial real estate work? Is commercial real estate a viable income source? I'm just making all of those up, by the way. And like, I'll write content for each one of those questions. So I don't do that. I'll look at it like, what does that question say about the user? Why would someone, what does it say that someone's interested in that kind of question? Like thematically speaking, what does that imply about the people who are coming to my website? And what does it say about their needs? So I can create content around that and around 10 different other things that align to the same principle. Well, that's a very interesting use for it because what you're basically doing at a psychological level is you're profiling who you think your audience is. And then you're not just responding to the specific questions you're seeing in those keywords. Now you're learning more about them and you're using that knowledge to produce maybe content in other areas or, or write the content in a particular tone of voice. Yeah, I'm trying to predict what other needs they might have, which, by the way, I think you know, pure SEO side point. I think the idea of content clusters is great. Now, you're going to build topical authority. You're going to build a cluster. And it's wonderful. I think that we're at the point where Google's profiling everything. Like, how does Google know good content from bad content? Let's say, you know, take the keyword like, you know, uh, heart attack prevention. Well, Google goes to the WebMD or Mayo Clinics of the world, the super authorities. All right. We know they're good. What does content look like on their website? What does content look like on your website? I'm oversimplifying this, obviously. Or um, language structure. Uh, if you, it, what does language structure look like on a quality page versus on a not quality page? Or you're just listing a bunch of bullet points where on the quality page, they're, they're qualifying each bullet point. The language style is totally different. So I'm just trying to, like, if you're, so if you're creating a content cluster, yeah, you could be targeting all the keywords. You could be building up authority in your mind around a certain topic, but Google might look at you and say, yeah, you have all these topics here. But that's not really authority because the profiling is not aligned. I'll give you like a really horrible example. If you're, you can write about sweaters, you can write a blog post about sweaters. You can write a product review about sweaters. They're both about sweaters. If you want to rank for sweaters, I'll just write about sweaters. But if your website is about product reviews, why do you have this whole blog post about what fabric sweaters come from back in 1987? I make, you know what I mean? Like, it might be about that topic, but it might be totally irrelevant from a profile point of view. So back to back to the tool. Yeah, you could do a lot of those kind of things or you could do the more traditional things or you can combine the two. It's really whatever you want. And I think that what people the people make a mistake is they don't really explore the platform. I honestly like take 30 minutes, go whatever report you really like. I guarantee you because I do this myself. There's a million different filtering options or um, sorting options that you didn't even know existed. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's probably so much of SEMrush. SEMrush is huge, right? And every SEO you, does or should use it. Um, I know I use it on, on practically a daily basis, but you can tell there would be so much in there that would be underutilized where people just don't understand it, right? Because it's maybe overwhelmed by the amount of options of what's on offer. What I think as well is that, um, this is probably what you guys do, is you notice there's so many people now coming out with articles um, where they're using things like Python and they're taking data, maybe from a SEMrush, then they're reorganizing it and they've got these novel ways of kind of like doing different processes and things. And often it's like a number of different steps. So they're pulling that data in and then they're formatting it and then pulling out an insight. The way I see SEMrush working is you guys go, hey, we can do that for you. And then like all of a sudden you've got this new tool in your keyword magic tool, which now or it's pretty right. much universal on SEMrush, which will actually detail the intent, the keyword yep. intent, which previously people have been manipulating data in order to understand keyword intent. All of a sudden it's baked into your tool. So is that one of the things that you're looking at in your role is actually understanding how is it that people are maybe using SEMrush and how can we actually simplify the way in which they get to that endpoint? Yeah. So, I mean, look, no one's going to ever replace an API because you should be able to do with your data what you want to do with your data. If you have some, you know, special um, way of showing it or pulling things out. But yeah, we try to make it as actionable as possible, which is why you have keyword intent in there. So a lot of what I do on the communication side relates to, let's say, interacting with the SEO community, not to necessarily promote SEMrush, which obviously I do, is to understand, well, one is to understand what the community needs as a community. Because I look at SEMrush as, I, I equate it to, we're the latest solace of SEO platforms, <laughs> right? And I like, I love Aleda. One of the things I love about Aleda is, she takes the time out to give back to the community that gave to her. So you have a whole, she has a whole learning center. So plug for that. I, she doesn't get yeah, I, I don't think she sleeps. I'm pretty sure she doesn't sleep because the amount of content and I different don't tools. Know. Her and Barry Schwartz, communications, I wonder. Yeah, you, you have to wonder there. They're, they're operating. I wanted to ask problem. Barry, like, when do you sleep? Because I'll sleep when I'm dead. I'm like, all right, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, no, but both of them, because Barry's another good example of this where, they really take care of the community. And I feel if you're in the position of a SEMrush, it's our job to take care of the community as much as possible. So we, my team specifically does a lot of assets around SEO education or um, showcasing members in the community. So every Tuesday and Thursday, we release what we call thread takeovers, where it's somebody from the community. And I'm specifically not looking for like the biggest names on the planet. I'm looking for people who deserve a little bit more of a, uh, visibility and then they're getting. And they write a thread and we post it on the SEMrush account as if it's them. We have their handle, their pictures there and banners. to one, to promote people who deserve a, you know, a larger share of visibility and to promote some really good SEO content that's got nothing to do with SEMrush. There's no SEMrush link in there at the end, you know, buy SEMrush for hundred bucks a month, whatever it is. It's just purely to, to drive the community, to offer educational information, to showcase people who deserve to be showcased. Because I think it's really important if you're somebody in the community like SEMrush, we've gotten so much from the community. How do you not give back? Oh, so man. those kind of things I'm really focused on. And because I'm talking to SEO experts all the time, I will always take feedback and bring it back to the team. Like Glenn Gates, one of my favorite customers for that. And I was like, yeah, you know, we should do that. I'm like, that's actually brilliant. Let me take that with the team. Yeah, I imagine you've got no shortage of really smart people out there like Glenn who just like are operating on another wavelength and, you know, they, they can come to the table it's, with all these ingenious ideas. 
you have conversations with some some, some people sometimes and you think, well, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a smart fellow, I think. <laughs> and then you listen to them and like, wow, that's really amazing. You should run for president. <laughs> I don't, yeah, that'd be interesting if we put one of the best SEOs in the uh, in the White House. Uh, maybe the world would be I'll a better place. I'll tell you one thing. All these like stupid sessions with Congress where they're walking around. Uh, do you can you uh, do you know where I am right now on my phone? Wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think when Zuckerberg uh, went to Congress, they were asking him like basic questions on how Facebook works and how do you make revenue and stuff like that. You just go, oh, these guys would have absolutely oh no gosh, idea. Unbelievable. But by the way, it does have a real impact. It has a real impact on people. Like you and I are looking at this. What a bunch of stooges. Like, come on. You couldn't have invited Barry to ask them a couple of questions. <laughs> Just Google SEO expert. You know, you get a bunch of, you get a bunch of people show up. Alayda probably shows up, right? Invite her to have them ask a bunch of questions. But the average person at home seeing the CEO of Google or the CEO of Facebook or now Meta, whatever the hell that is, <laughs> which is, oh my God. But anyway, seeing them sitting there being scrutinized and grilled by these people, has a lasting impression. I did a, I did a little bit of study on this. Since 2017, search volumes for like 10,000 keywords around data privacy are up to like something like 100% or 200%. 100% I think in the US and 150% globally because people are people are now skeptical, right? I hear that data, my data with Google's not safe. I saw somebody in Congress yelling at that guy from Google. So it has a real impact. Oh, definitely. All right, so you walked into the role at SEMrush and obviously like, it's just a really interesting, varied role. What did you think it was going to be like and, and what has it been like? Has it lived up to your expectations? Is it any different than maybe you first thought it would be? So I thought you walk into a, another big organization and big organizations are very slow and it, it just is what it is. And, and it depends. And I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll qualify that. It depends on the area of the company. I think in every company, certain aspects of it really fast. Like at Wix, their dev team was incredibly fast, at least on the SEO product side. I don't know about the, the whole platform. Overall, that wasn't, I wasn't privy to that. But on the SEO product side, they were very, very fast. I don't think they would tell you that. I think they would tell you, no, we're too slow because devs, they're always trying to go faster. But a bigger organization, you know, change is slow, processes are slow. I thought walking into SEMrush would be very similar, right? There's a thousand plus people who work at the company. It's a publicly traded company. This is not going to be a you know, SWAT team operation. But they are very fast. They they pivot very quickly. They restructure things very quickly, and they're super nice. Which I that I wasn't that wasn't a, a, an expectation I didn't have walking in. I I knew some of people are nice. I'm not saying like I thought I was going to walk in and they were going to be horrible people. But when you walk still, you walk into a new job and you're what's it going to be like? What's the camaraderie going to be like? What are the people going to be like? People are exceedingly helpful. You know, I'm I'm a terrible slacker. Like I, I don't like slack, and I'll be like I'm focused on this right now. I'll get the slack later which could be like hours later sorry to everybody who i work with who i don't reply back quickly on slack but everybody else super quick and super helpful you know you send a message bam message right back here's what you need so it's a really nice working environment amazing that's so important it probably speaks to the fact of why their software is so good as well i mean for you, for you to produce software like they have you probably do need a strong organization behind it right? yeah and, and the the product team in particular they really want feedback you know, with some companies, you you hear a critique and you shy away from it. Like, no, we didn't. What are you talking about? Oh, you know, if there's a critique, 
that's legitimate, obviously, because sometimes they're not legitimate critiques. We own that. Like, that's a better way of doing it. You're right. That's a better way of serving you. Let's 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 do that. There's no ego involved in it in that sense. So we've spoken about a lot of positives, but, you know, maybe it could be from Wix as well. Are there any hurdles that you had to overcome, you know, stepping into those roles? I mean, you know, you're always there's I'm a very strong personality, I guess. Sometimes I, I have very strong convictions of what I believe. This is not a sunrush thing. This is like across the board. And when you go in like that, you have to be careful because your vision and somebody else's vision don't necessarily align. Or there's most likely a middle ground where you have to give up certain things. And it's always hard because you're coming in like you're, you're coming. I'm coming in from the SEO community. I really believe SEO is the most important thing. And this is how you do it. And this is how you you speak to the community or interact with the community or how you build a product around SEO. It's not like I, I'm not I'm very opinionated in that in that regard. But you have to walk in with the ability to negotiate and be like, okay, you see it differently. And that's okay too. And I mean that for the SEO community, by the way. That's a good lesson for all of us. Going back to my original thing of Moses splitting the SEO scene, a content SEOs on one side, a technical SEOs on the other side. If you if you can get to a site to rank better because you improve their page speed, God bless you. Like that's great. If I can do it by getting their content better, that's also great. There's more than one way to skin an SEO cat. Which, by the way, why would you ever want to skin a cat? That doesn't make any sense. Certainly but, not an SEO cat, but uh, no, no, certainly no, not an SEO like... cat. That that's like yeah. It's like, there's so many expressions like that that are cruel to animals. I don't get that. There's different ways to get to your end goal. And if what you're saying is reasonable and what I'm saying is reasonable, then just let that be reasonable and, yeah, and respect the other pe- person's opinion and try to incorporate that wherever you can. And they should try to incorporate your opinion wherever they can. So what we've been speaking about really is being flexible, having people skills, you know, looking at things from different angles, compromise. I mean, these are transferable skills that don't just exist within SEO, obviously, like they're pretty much universal, right? So it's making sure that you're not just coming in and kind of, using a club to kind of enforce your way of doing things, but you're open to hearing other people's insights and, and sharing different opinions. And as you said, educating people so that you can bring them to maybe your way of thinking, or maybe you don't, but you, you, you do your best to right. at least make maybe the case. Don't. Yeah. You're not going to win every time, yeah, right? No, you're not going to win every time. And particularly as an SEO, you might be dealing with someone like a dev or a designer, and it might be, the site owner might look at it, hey, this is the designer's site. You're just coming in as an ancillary thing to, you know, almost like a bonus. Or, or this is the developer's site. It's not your site. Now, as SEOs, we have a problem because we think it's our site. But on the on the on the hierarchy of of people's whose site it is, I would say it's site owner, dev, designer, SEO. Because but take a designer, for example, when you look at the site, that's very tangible. As a site owner, I'm like, Wow, that looks beautiful. That looks nice. And now you're telling me like that's too slow and I have to, you know, scale that back a little bit for what? Some sort of, you know, fairy dust. I can't see it. It's not tangible. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I gave it to the designer. He he or she did it. Why are you telling me not? Like I, it, it's more the yeah. designer side. I feel like your site. We're, we're probably even a run a run lower down because the CRO guy at least is coming in. I've got this qualitative, qualitative right. data, and I've done these right. studies, and people are clicking off the website, and this is happening, that's happening, and they can actually Which, like validate those opinions. Whereas sometimes in the SEO world, we're going a little bit with our gut and intuition and experience, which is harder to quantify. So we're like. 
look, we know that Google doesn't really like this. We can't tell you exactly how much better you're going to be off if you actually listen to us. Maybe it won't be any better off, but we kind of think this is the right direction to go in. Yeah. And that's really hard. I'll, I'll quote two people here. So Glenn Gabe always says, throw the kitchen sink at it in SEO. Because you don't know what exactly is going to stick. And to your point about, about CRO, I'll quote not the Yelly Malik from Wix, who's their lead technical SEO. SEO touches everything, right? SEO touches CRO, SEO touches design, SEO touches content, SEO touches everything. And if you're not aware of that, then you're not going to be able to speak to the, to get your point across in the most powerful way. If all you're talking about is bringing people to the site, but you have no insight whatsoever on once they're there, how do we get them to, to open up their wallets? Then your voice is less powerful. And I know SEOs like to stay in their lane. That's not SEO. That's CRO. I don't know what any of this crap is. All I know is growth. And realistically, uh, and I, that's what the clients know as well. They don't just expect us to bring people through to the website. You know, they're ultimately going to evaluate us on, well, how much money did you make me? You know, yes. and, and part of that is, of course, going to be acquisition of traffic. But a big part of that is what happens when they arrive on site. Do they like your content? Do they engage with it? Do they then want to find out more? Are they signing up for your newsletter? Are they buying your product? Like I get you a million visitors. None of them will buy anything from you with their balance the second they see your website. That's, that's not powerful. That's just useless. It's a waste of time. I'll give you, I can't say who it is, but somebody was telling me that they were bidding on a, on a contract with a client and they were bidding, they're, you know, a small consultant and they were bidding against one of the big SEO agencies. And the agency went in with a site audit, 4 million things to improve and fix and blah, blah, blah. And he went in and said, here's how you grow your revenue using SEO. Guess who got the contract? Yeah. The guy coming in and just simplifying it and, and speaking. Once again, you got to speak their language, right? So if you can C speak level the language. C-level doesn't give a crap about site audits. Not at all. They don't care unless they're tech people. They really don't care. They care about making money and growing their business, which is why you see them. They'll buy into PPC much more than SEO because PPC is quick. Hey, want to make money? Yes. Do PPC. Okay. You want to make money you know, six months from now? Maybe, possibly, do SEO. Wow, good sell. You know who cares about a thousand page SEO audits? Other SEOs. Right. It's like it's like it's a it's a it's a show off thing. You know, you publish on LinkedIn or Twitter. Hey, I just produced this. You know, thesis on this website. Have a look at all the different points that I found. And meanwhile, the client who you've actually produced it for can't make heads or tails of what you put together. They're not moving on it. It's gathering dust. It's sitting on a shelf somewhere and it's not making them one iota of difference in terms of like, no, there are, there are verticals where that matters more like news, right? You have duplicate content and you have a whole canonical issue. If you're using syndicated content, all sorts of technical things that go into this, right? Getting yourself set up for the top store, a lot amp or not amp. That's not a thing anymore, obviously, but it used to be a thing. There was a lot that went into that. But most verticals, most spaces aren't like news. Even news is less so without the fact you don't need AMP. And no one cares. They, they, C-level cares about keeping their job just the way that you care about keeping your job. And their job is about growth. Exactly right. Back to SEMrush for a second. Um, okay, so I don't know how much of this falls under your remit. But just as an SEO, forgetting the fact you work at SEMrush, like what do you think personally is going to be key to the future of the, of the software? Obviously it does so much well already. Like how do you make it better? What, what does it need to do in order to remain relevant and, and re retain its place as being like just about the number one best SEO software out there? So I'll say two things. One is as the, as the SERP itself changes, 
right? As ranking above the fold becomes more prominent, as SERP features become even more of, a, of, a, of an issue for, for sites, which they already happened since, let's say, 2017. So the software is going to have to evolve with that. There's there's a ton there that you can do now with feature snippets and filtering, you know, who gets a PAA, who doesn't get a PAA, and blah, 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 all that great stuff. But in terms of your your actual position tracking, you know, we're going to have to evolve with that as well as this can this journey of the, the SERP feature continues. It'll be interesting to see where Google goes as Mum becomes more of a of integrated into the algorithm. Right now, they're kind of using it as an ancillary thing. You can take a picture with your Google Lens, and I don't know what this is. And you can ask, how do I fix this thing that I don't know what it is? So Lens figures out, oh, this thing is called this, and here's a bunch of content about how to fix it. But Mum actually becomes integrated into the algorithm in the sense that it's getting helping Google better understand actual content. I think the SERP is going to change. That's my personal point of view. But that's now I'm already going to predictions for like 2030. Well, the, the challenge with any any software like SEMrush, whether it be in SEO or not in SEO, is how do you make it actionable? Right? How do I take the data? Now you give me a ton of information, but sometimes having a ton of information is more confusing than not having any information. Like, what do I do with this? And I think things like intent help you. Right? That you see, that's where the platform is going. You know, just a, a really quick. So, in case you don't know, was it a month ago? Two months ago already? I'm terrible with time. Semrush, we added a, for all, anywhere where you see keywords, you will now see the intent of the keyword. Is it a commercial intent, uh, informational intent? Is it both? And you can filter by it. So for example, I've seen cases where you think, wow, they're a huge player in the, in the niche. Huge competitor. They rank for a ton of keywords. Giant e-commerce outlet. I'm not talking about anyone in particular. I am talking about one in particular, but not the one you're thinking of. It's very niche, but it's very big. And they're ranking for tons of informational keywords. I mean, God bless them. They're bringing in the traffic. If they can bring that traffic in and segue that traffic to the commercial side, that's a good strategy. I'm not saying no, but they're not ranking for enough commercial keywords. And you might think, well, I'm not. I'm not a, a huge player in the space. But yeah, all these keywords are open because your big competitors are not going after them for some reason. They are. They're not ranking for them for some reason. So things like that where you can now. Data itself is a problem right? because most of the time, what are you doing with data? You're trying to understand human behavior with numbers. This is Google's problem. This is SEMrush's problem. This is anybody who's offering data's problem or running an algorithm. It's their problem. What you're, what you're banking on is if I have enough data, it speaks to the behavior. But there's a fundamental schism because you're using a quantitative asset to describe a qualitative asset. Hence the problem making that kind of thing actionable. So the better we can update our algorithms and our own machine learning, to better understand what's happening out there, how, how, how to help quant qualify that data like keyword intent, the more actionable the platform will be. So I and I, I can't speak about it publicly, but I can tell you like that's the direction where things have to go. Like the algorithms that we implement and the data sources that we that we implement have to evolve to the point where they are better at predicting qualitative behavior of the user. Yeah. Do, do you think we'll ever get to a point where the software is so good that we'll almost like automate and machine learning our way out of a job? You know, like the, the machine no. will get so sophisticated that the human component no. won't be needed. I think let's take GPT-3 as a good example of this, because that, that's kind of, you know, the classic example of GPT-3 can write it. Why do I need a job? I think that at a certain point and Google will have to change guidelines probably. GPT-3 will probably be really good at writing a, um, a product description. Or you'll have machine learning. I think John Mueller talked about this. He said that at a certain point, machine learning will be good enough where you can have a tool that'll write your title tag for you. 
machine learning is not going to write a product review for you, right? In fact, you see Google going the opposite way with that. You see Google going, we want people who have personal hands-on experience to write this. And I saw that with the last product review update in December. Pages that were structured really well from big websites that lack that nuance in the content because they never actually use the damn products that they're reviewing didn't do as well as maybe not the biggest site or maybe the page not as structured as well, where you can clearly tell like this person's an expert at this product. They've used this product and similar products a million times. Great product review. Machines will never be able to do that. I, I love this like whole thing of machine learning will take over, AI will take over, blah, blah, blah. Not to get too philosophical, but the human mind or the human persona, the human soul, whatever you want to call it, is ineffable. You can't break that down. You can't, here's what it is and define it. The essence of humanity, the crown of humanity, if you want to call it that. Now we're really getting existential. It's <laughs> not it. definable. <laughs> I like, think I'm watching too many science fiction that. movies, Rise of the Machines and all this stuff, and the machines are going to take over and the robots will be running yeah. the world. And- also, in any of these movies, are the machines actually smart or are they just like run around chasing people? Yeah, they're probably just running around chasing people. Chasing people. Like this is your idea of like, uh, yeah, machine learning, see, AI, Skynet. Skynet basically runs around chasing people and shooting at them really smart. You know what? Well, I'm with you. I, I feel like there is a place for the AI, but I think it's AI plus human rather than one or the other. You know what I mean? Like human beings over time, we've gotten better and more efficient because we've created tools that have helped make things a lot easier. I mean, like before the lawnmower and stuff like that, what you'd have to do it manually, and that would take you forever. But you don't want to just let a lawnmower run riot. You know what I mean? It's a terrible <laughs> analogy. But I think you get where I'm going with this. So at the end of the day, like I think there is a place maybe for a tool that can write content, but do you want to just have your entire website written by a tool without any human oversight? Like it's going to lack, as you say, soul. It's going to lack personality. It's going to lack charisma. Maybe it's not going to read properly. Maybe it's going to be clunky. But at the same no, time... It won't be able to... That abstract yeah. thought and nuance, and it, it's you know, you know, it's impossible. It can never get there, in my personal opinion. Awesome. All right. Well, one thing we like to do on this podcast is we like to close with like a series of rapid fire vox pop style questions. Right, and I just want to hear the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. First question: Which previous Google algorithmic change still keeps you up at night? Medic. Medic update. And why is that? Because that was the first one when you really saw the qualitative shift in what Google was doing. I know there was a previous algorithm update core when there's always been core updates, but this new series of announced core updates, there was one before it, but Medic was the one you were like, whoa. The way they were able to profile things, it's completely different now. Yeah, they're getting super sophisticated, aren't they? I wonder what the algorithmic update's going to look like a couple of years from now. All right, gun to your head. What do you prefer, content or links? Content, please. Yeah, I knew you were going to say Thanks. content. Just based on what you've been saying at the start of this podcast, I thought that's that's an easy one. It's a softball. What's the most effective link building technique you've used? Um, write really good content. Write good content. <laughs> write really, that's really good content. That's the thing about content. SEO, isn't it? It's all kind of interlinked. It's like user experience, content, links. It's all kind of a mishmash. You know, we, we talk about it like it's all siloed, but the reality is you need a little bit of all of it, and it overlaps the, awesome. the best technique I've ever seen, I haven't tried it because I don't I do not do link building. It was Itamar Blauer has a whole thing. I think it calls like the teammate technique. It's where you see a, a content area you're an expert in or you're, the site you're working on is an expert in. And there's another page that's not as good. And you go up saying, hey, I can help you make your content better. Here are some ideas you might want to include. Here's like, you know, um, I, I think maybe you should talk about this and take this and really collaborate them to help them make them better. 
and you could sneak like you know i talk about this over here in this post but like it's already a collaborative relationship where you're working and helping them get better and now they're just linking to you as a resource which is what linking should be you're linking to a resource exactly all right next question is the skyscraper technique still relevant no <laughs> all right what do you love most about seo i like the fact that it's abstract once you get into the nuts and bike outside of okay i wrote my i wrote my title text here's my headers you know enter my structured data blah 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 it's really abstract now you're getting into things like user intent for example where you now really have to start thinking as like an actual marketer might have to think yeah you, you either thrive in that scenario where it's like you like the abstract and you embrace it or you just go i don't get this seo stuff and you probably don't work in seo right it's gotten really conceptual which is great i like that kind of stuff all right, this is, a, this is a bit of an interesting one. I like asking this one, one of my favorites. How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? I try to optimize my family. I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. <laughs> the first thing that came to my head. Cool, all right. I, actually, I had this question for you. I like to optimize your... bedtime, actually. <laughs> yeah, how you do nice. that. Once you Maybe get the trick on optimizing bedtime, can you share it with us? That's no, because right now bedtime for me is long form content. <laughs> good one. <laughs> Maybe a black hat technique on optimizing bedtime. <laughs> yeah, it's called melatonin and drug them. All right. Um, I actually have this question for you because you're operating out of Israel, aren't you? And I don't imagine the SEMrush headquarters are in Israel. So are you like fully hybrid? Is that your thing at the moment? Or I mean, fully remote? I'm fully remote. I mean, I think I'm the only employee in the whole country, actually. That's pretty good. I guess that speaks yeah, to it kind of works out the role for the person. Right. There you go. I mean, hey, welcome to the one of the great things about the pandemic, other than the fact that I hardly have to see most of my extended family, is people have embraced remote. This is awesome. It also works out really well because the, the work week in Israel is Monday through Thursday. I'm sorry, Sunday through Thursday. And no one else is working on Sunday besides me. So it's like a day like I don't have any meetings. It's great. If you're listening to me so much, not that I don't like meeting with you. I do. <laughs> you love it. And you especially love those Slack messages. All right. Normally we ask this question, but... You know, we had somebody on from AHRS, now somebody's working at SEMrush. It's kind of a, a tricky question. I, I feel like there's going to be a bit of bias here, but SEMrush or AHRS, what's your favorite? What? <laughs> there's SEMrush. Who's the other one? AHRS. Yeah, who are those guys? Are they are those people? Like a small emerging player, you know? No, Ni- no they have niche, like Patrick Stock, a good guy. SEMrush? Obviously. Yeah, you got to say that. You gotta say it. I don't you have can to me say the real that. answer. I do say the that. Is over. No, I'm joking. No. <laughs> agency in-house or combination? What, what, what do you think? Uh, ooh, I'm not an agency fan. Not. Let me qualify that statement. Agencies are good and they do a lot of great work. I much prefer working in-house. All right, you've been an awesome guest. Thank you so much. Um, before we close out the podcast, one of the things that we like to do, obviously, is encourage everyone to give us a five-star review uh, wherever you find this podcast. If you hate the podcast, don't give the one-star review. <laughs> Just send a message to Russ McCumber directly. He loves to receive those messages. He'll take on that feedback. I'm very sensitive, so I only want to hear positive feedback and five-star ratings. Also, if anyone wants to reach out, Morty, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, at Morty Oberstein on Twitter. I, I, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I don't really do Facebook. I really don't like Facebook. Uh, on TikTok. Find me on TikTok. Are you actually on I TikTok? am not on TikTok. <laughs> no, I am not on TikTok. That's one thing I'm not into either. No TikTok for me. <laughs> I always ask people, yeah, where can I find you on TikTok? They're like, what? I'm like, exactly. We're old. You find me, We're you find me on Twitter, but I feel like 
you know, I'm not doing the SEO industry uh, um, service on, on my Twitter because I barely talk about SEO. It's just pretty much chatting about fantasy football. So I'm not sure if you want to read my Twitter, but um, I am available I, there if anyone wants to ask a question. I will. I will look you up. What's your Twitter handle? Oh, see, I can't even remember my Twitter handle. How bad is that? <laughs> I think I think we're connected. I follow you at least. Uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm not following you back. I'm, now I feel bad. How awkward is that? So you can find me at at Gabe, G-A-B-E underscore Grossman, G-R-O-S-S-M-A-N. I'm the bearded guy with glasses. So uh, hit me up over there. I'm not fo- now I'm following you. I just oh, followed yeah. Gabe. No, you should follow Gabe. So now you're going to hear all about who I'm picking in fantasy football this year. So uh, I hope you get lots of value out of that, Morty. If it's about American <laughs> football, I will. If no, it is certainly football. not about American football. Oh, you mean soccer? No. <laughs> okay, bring you over to Australia and teach you about AFL. <laughs> when you're checking out yeah. which direction the the toilet water goes, the go, toilet's going. Give you. A I mean, I could probably get into stuff. rugby. That seems like it's pretty intense. <laughs> it's not my thing, to be honest. Over here in Melbourne, we're all about AFL and cricket. I see. Oh, cricket. That's like the worser version of baseball. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't stop. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Morty. Really appreciate it. And thanks, everybody. Take care for now. Bye.